Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator, film journalist, Eric Hines. Hi, everybody. So before we get started, I think we're going to watch a trailer from Queen of Earth, the film that we're going to be discussing. So let's all just watch that now. It drives me crazy that places like this are so close to the city. Places like this? Yeah, you know where. Tranquility isn't just a myth. Thanks for the exile. That's what this place is here for. From Alex Ross Perry, the acclaimed writer-director of Listen Up, Philip and The Color Wheel, comes an exploration of broken women, queen of Earth. Been here before? Just once last year. Be careful now, you never know. You never know what? A week at the lake. Who the hell are you? It's me, Rich. You like to hang out sometimes? Relaxation, peace and quiet, but under the surface lurks emotional imbalance. See, Catherine is this great artist, but she's hiding in her father's shadow. An imbalance that tears open psychic wounds. Please don't talk to me like that. Like what? Like you're superior to me or any of us. And threatens to shake the very foundations of sanity. Heard you walking around super late last night. Sound like you were talking to yourself? I feel sick. I feel messed up. Well, we should trade places. See how we feel then. I could murder you right now and no one would ever know. Catherine Waterston in a role you'll never forget. I feel like I'm seeing you for the first time. And Elizabeth Moss as you've never seen her before. You are worthless. You are weak and greedy. You are why people betray one another. You are why there is nowhere safe. You are why there is no escape no. from indecency no. No. and gossip no. and lies. No. Leave me alone! Queen of Earth, an acidly funny and unnerving portrait of a psychological breakdown. Catherine Waterston is startlingly impressive, and Elizabeth Moss electrifies. A stylish, whispery love letter to teasing psychological horror. Alex Ross Perry's Queen of Earth. Everybody, please, let's welcome Elizabeth Moss and Alex Ross Perry. Thank you both for being here. You're welcome. Yes. So I'm going to ask a first, get, start things off and ask Alex a question and make our way to you, Elizabeth, if that's okay. I'll back up. And so, as you can tell even from the trailer, that there's a fair amount it, well, within the film itself, but as you can tell already from the trailer, there's, there's some playing around with genre, some playing around with sort of uh, vintage source material to some degree. And I think that considering your knowledge of film and considering um, your, your, your ability to sort of play off of what already exists in terms of you know, a film history. I'm wondering what creatively is offered by working from some pre-existing material, a creative offered from, from, from your knowledge or, or historical conversation that you're having. Yeah, I mean, what was fun about it was just making a movie in the tradition of, you know, fill in the blank, but just being able to discuss in the process of doing it, um, you know, just like the rules of whatever we're doing. You know, like the kind of shots that a film like this just traditionally must have. 
gave us something to kind of build around. I never really done that before. Um, and it was just a different way of doing it, but it ended up being just kind of like a, you know, a fun way to just pay homage to, you know, as you can see in the trailer, like a huge tradition of a certain type of cinema that kind of ranges from highbrow European art films about women to like American genre exploitation films that followed those European films and now we're kind of following it in, in a different way. And in terms of the writing process then, because you're writing and directing, is there, is there, like, is it almost like the way the sort of autobiographical elements work in, in, in the sense of like, well, you're starting from this one thing that is the foundation from which you then create something fictional. Does it work that way in terms of the, the, the films that you were looking at? Perhaps. I, I think that it's more like, you know, a lot of the films that we'd be talking about, I, I've seen, but like I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't necessarily think it wise to rewatch them, like because we're about to make a movie. Yeah. And the cinematographer Sean Williams has seen them as well, but as with me, perhaps not in ten years. So if we just kind of talk about what we think we remember these movies were like, right? Then we end up with something, and then um, then we look at them again when we're done, and it's really not at all what we remembered. But then what we've kind of remembered is more interesting than if we had just copied it. So that's kind of bringing your own spin to it, I think. I don't know if that's necessarily autobiographical, but it's just, you know, taking something, not thinking too much about it, and then therefore making it personal. Yeah. And Elizabeth, would, were, did Alex ask you to watch anything in particular, or were you, did he say not to watch things in particular, in terms of sort of like what, sort of the, the, the soup of what the film was, if, if, if you were targeting certain things or, or not? Um, he mentioned a couple of things really early on, uh, as went before I even read the script about the kind of like tone he wanted and what the idea was, um, and then I sort of he didn't he didn't ask me to he didn't ask me to watch them. It just was a matter of like these are kind of what I was thinking, and then I took it upon myself to watch one that I hadn't seen, which was Polanski's Repulsion. Um, but same thing, like Rosemary's Baby, I'd seen. I wasn't I didn't need to go watch that again. I was able to remember what I remembered from it and take whatever that was and use that and then and then he showed me like you know a little bit of Robert Altman's images just as much of it as I wanted to see and then like would send stills to Catherine and I from a couple of other films just to like this is kind of what we're going for in this scene um, as far as the framing and but but beyond that it was just more of like a this is kind of the tone of it but let's not be too particular okay. about it you know and these, yeah. are, these are formidable films that we're talking about yeah right? you don't want to give people homework yeah. You know, like an actor has their own workflow. You don't need to just be like, look at these movies because then it's like, well, am I looking at them for performance or for camera or for like, you know, why, what, like, you know, just why? So it's more just like, look at one thing and then we'll just kind of talk about other stuff. Like, it could just be, you know, like we're going to be talking about this film a lot. Like films I talk about in promoting the movie every day that like all you would have seen is just stills that we were just like, yeah, you know, like this kind of framing is interesting to us. Yeah. And for me, it goes deeper than that, but like, doesn't really matter for a performance standpoint to be looking at movies that I'm only thinking of because I like the way that they're shot. You know, like it's just, it doesn't have to all be the same thing. It can come from different directions. Right, right. Um, and Elizabeth, there's, there's a sort of long tradition in literature and in, in plays and in film of the sort of mad woman, of a woman who goes mad. Um, Isn't that is the there... spinoff of Mad Men? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Just really simple. It's just Mad Woman. <laughs> it's not that inventive. <laughs> was, was there something, that, is that something you always wanted to, to take on? But it's also, you know, because it's a, it's a trope to some degree. Um, and I know you're not playing a trope, you're playing a character. But there's also sort of, 
there's something to sink your teeth into there. There's also, you want to be somewhat careful too, because there's, yeah. there's a possibility of there being a stereotype. Like, how did you negotiate that? I did not think about that at all, really. Yeah. Um, only in like the past couple of Q and A's have I been like, oh, reminded of it by by <laughs> men such as yourself. Um, that you know, yes, that's a tradition. I, I mean, I'm more. Uh, I don't, you know, I do think that she goes insane for sure. I do think it's like the story of a. That's how I would describe it as well. Um, but I don't, I don't approach anything like now. I want to play this kind of character, sure. or I hope to one day do this. I. I I, I prefer more to be surprised and, and hopefully to find things that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm attracted to because they're authentic, uh, not because it's a kind of role that I want to play, you know? So I didn't really think of it in that way. I thought more of like in a filmmaking sense, I, I liked the idea of making like the kind of movie that we made. Um, that was interesting to me, but the role itself, I didn't really think about it in those terms. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did you think of the role then? I thought it was a challenge, yeah. for sure. I thought it was definitely something I hadn't done before. Um, but I also knew that it was, you know, when you do something like this, going into it having worked with somebody before, going having worked with the writer and director and the DP before is extremely helpful. It didn't feel like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? It just felt like, you know, a a reasonable challenge yeah. as an actor, but um, I didn't feel unsafe or anything. And I, 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 you know, I thought of it as honestly a film that I, I hoped would be um, a tenth as good as this film. I feel like turned out to be. I'm very, um, very happy with it. So very, very modest ambitions for how it would turn out. I have very low expectations. <laughs> like I feel, I, I feel should like, just make that clear. I feel as though the film reached its full potential, and your ambition was that it would reach ten percent of its full potential. <laughs> yeah, I was just hoping it would get finished, and we exceeded that, so I'm good. Well, with that, let's watch a clip, which I think is the, I think if it's either a portion over, it might be the entirety of the first scene of the film. Which if I it's, think it's like four minutes, so I hope it's not the whole I think scene. It's, maybe it's taking me half. Then. <laughs> yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? I can't explain it. You can't explain it. You can't explain it. You can't explain it. You will explain it. No, I can't. Really. How could you do this so soon after the accident? It wasn't an accident, Catherine. It was on purpose. And besides, this over-reliance has been suffocating. How soon after did you start seeing her? That's a ridiculous question. Well, answer it. Before. Before. Before? Can, can we please just relax? No, we can't please just. I'm pleading with you here. Well, you don't get any pleas, you piece of shit. They hate you. So, this shouldn't be too painful. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be too painful because it's just one more thing on top of everything else. Just one more thing. You're being dramatic. My father was my life, and my family was my life, and then you were a part of both. And now, now I hate you. Now I hate you, you dishonest sneak. I'm not looking for you to understand me here. Well, good, because there's no chance of that happening. I just think that you've been misdirecting a lot of anger towards me the past few months, and I can't take it oh. anymore. Oh, good for you. I'm glad that, I'm glad that you figured that out. Good. <laughs> Feel better? Good. Don't you think we've got to the place where we rely on each other too much for it to be healthy. Do not try to 
to, to justify this as some sort of effort to help me or save me. Like you're doing me a fucking favor. Like I should thank you. It's not untrue. No, it's not untrue. <laughs> Just go, just go, just go. I don't want you to see me like this. Go, please just leave me alone. Please just leave me alone. Please. Go! So that's the first scene of the movie, by the way. That's how the movie starts, and it's all downhill from there. <laughs> Psychologically, it's downhill from there. Certainly. Yes, yes, not the movie. <laughs> no, not the movie. <laughs> I'd be horrible at selling my movie. <laughs> so Alex, I, I was wondering, ever since I saw this uh, for the first time a while ago, is that um, there's the scene in Listen Up, Philip, your previous film that you worked on together, which is, I think, my favorite scene of the film which is a moment where we stay on Elizabeth's face for, for a fairly long time and with full spectrum of emotions happen, unpredictable and almost hard to even discern exactly what all those emotions are. It's a fascinating shot. And I wondered at all if this scene, as you conceived it, was at all a sort of, let's, let's go even further with that. <clears throat> for, uh, certainly the whole movie was, I mean, that was a really fun moment in that film. Uh, to discover on set and then let breathe in editing. And really like, you know, the response, not just to the film or the performance in general, but to that moment was really singled out in a lot of the writing about Listen Up, Philip. And it was just, you know, really exciting to have taken such a bizarre risk and like not yelling cut on set until it just seems like the performance is over and then using every single frame of footage that we had and you know yeah it was basically like let's just make a whole movie in that emotional pitch uh you know same performer same range but let's just yeah i mean i want to make a whole movie that's like that 60 seconds that a lot of people said was their favorite part of this movie right and that way they'll love this they'll, they'll have no choice but to love the, the next movie <laughs> if it's just their favorite part but for 90 whole minutes right and I, I feel like we got pretty close to that i mean it was more just seeing in a moment like that which I believe was your final day on Listen Up, Philip. Like, finally, like, I was like, wow, like, we barely scratched the surface of, like, how much fun we could be having. So let's just do a whole thing where every day is about just going deeper and deeper into, you know, wherever these decisions are coming from. I just want to make a movie that's just this decision-making process from a performer right in the foreground. Yeah. And, sh and you wrote the part then? Yeah, I mean, I never... We're get, we, need, we, we need to eventually agree on this. We need to clarify this issue, because we, yeah... But yeah, we can't get I mean, our story straight. <laughs> you know, I wrote it, you know, when you start something, there's no clear, I mean, it'd be very arrogant to be like, page one, this is going to be her. It's gotta be, before I even know if it's any good or if it's something that I would even show to people. But, you know, pretty quickly into the script, halfway through the writing, which was just a couple of weeks, I was like, you know, first thing I wanna do is send this, send this to her and hope that she would say yes because as I was just saying a lot of my idea was like let's just make a movie in the pitch of that moment right so you know why there's no other option and yeah I never discussed it with anybody else sent it along 
just to you and the producer, um, you know, at the same time, the day that I finished it. And from there on out, it was just a, a for sure. Okay. But what's the other story if you think that it's, if, if, if it wasn't, what do you think if it wasn't written for you? I think I thought that he wrote it for me from the very beginning, but that's just not true. Like, I think I just made that up in my head. Well, it depends on where you place the beginning. Like, before you started. Yeah. Like, my idea of making another movie was like, I have to make this for you. I want you. to write a film yeah. for Lizzie. I guess it was just like an adjustment to even thinking that I could conceivably be operating in a mode of professionalism where I could be so bold as to say to a performer, hey, I wrote this for you, because I'm sure you get that all the time. All the time. And even from you know, people you don't know, it's like, what a weird thing, <laughs> yeah. a weird thing to do. So like... It, I never believe them, is the thing when they say they wrote it for you. I'm like, you wrote it for the person that you offered it to before <laughs> me, and now it's for me. <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't so confident that I could say that. Like, but I, I, I was able to feel that confident before I finished writing it. Yeah. And now in the future, I'll be able to feel that confident like before there's even an idea. I'll take it. So it's just, just a step process, I suppose. Like, the next one, there'll be no debate. The next one, it'll be like, you know, I talked to you about this, like, the day I even yeah. got the idea. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, I just finished a script, I'd like to share it. It's like, are you going to write that idea that we've been talking yeah, about? Yeah, now I'm like, when are you going to write the thing? So now I know it's for me. But then you should then say no. I should totally pass. <laughs> I'd be amazing. I don't think I can. I, that, would like, be too, eh. that would be the end of my career. That'd be too, de <laughs> too devastating for me to ever have any confidence again. <laughs> So, but Elizabeth, you've been working a lot, obviously you've worked in TV a lot, and you work with a lot of different directors. They're, you know, rare are TV shows directed by the same person over the season. Yeah. It's a lot of people to show up. And, and obviously you've, you're, you've proven yourself quite adept at that. Is there something then that much more appealing, though, about being able to work with the same feature film director multiple times? Yeah, so well, on the last few seasons of Mad Men, like starting season, honestly, really season two, we uh, had a small pool of directors and it kind of got smaller and smaller until, you know, we basically just rotated the same people. And often it was, you know, our former script supervisor, Jen Getzinger, our former DP, Phil Abraham, our new DP, Chris Manley, Slattery Ham. Like, so it, it was, a, it didn't feel like, oh, we have a new director. We actually did try that the first season and it was obviously the first season is great so it turned out fine but I think it's it, it was nicer in the end to have it feel really in the family mm -hmm. so it's not a foreign concept for me to yeah but it is great to to work with people you've worked with before because it the the shorthand only gets shorter you know it only it just you don't have to I respect you you respect me there's amount of trust there you know I'm gonna do my job also having you know seen listen up Philip and loving it and being happy with my performance and it makes a big difference. You know, you know your performance is gonna be handled well. Um, and, and all of that just gives you more confidence on set to try new things yeah. and to go a little bit farther than you have. Mm -hmm. is, is there, did you, you feel like there's room built into what's, because the scripts are, I mean, obviously Alex is a fantastic writer, is there, but is there room for you to sort of take things a little bit further too? Well, there was room in this script in the sense of, you know, he would write, uh, that there's an emotional moment that happens at the end of a scene and then it would be sort of up to me in the space to kind of figure out what that was actually going to be and then show Alex, work with Alex and then Sean, our DP, would look at it and figure out how he was going to shoot it and so yeah, there was room for exploration for all of us though it didn't feel like I was like coming up with anything by myself um, but there was room to kind of fill out some of the more uh, non-verbal emotional moments. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Alex, when you're writing, you, you 
what is it you're leaving for the actor? Well, what you mentioned earlier with the kind of centerpiece scene, listen up, Phillips, a perfect example. Where on the page, it's you know two or three sentences just about actually what happens, where the characters are in the room, and then kind of just like a list of what uh, your character was experiencing. And as we discussed, the end result is something that was very surprising and totally exciting for people, and no, for nobody more so than me. So I was like, well, you know, again, like let's make a whole movie like that. I, I know I can kind of leave not holes in the script, but just kind of like gaps where it's just like, you know, the character is experiencing this. Usually a script would say like, the character is doing this. But making it a little bit more vague, I knew that whatever we came up with would be fine. And you know, just kind of going and finding the moment while we're doing it, and then also finding the moment, you know, in relation to actually what we're able to shoot, because you know, we're just on a practical location, we can't do everything. Right. And you know, just what the possibilities are, I think having those restrictions, but then having an unrestricted sense of you know, experimentation will result in something that you couldn't really come up with yeah. in the same way in advance. And, you know, it's a nice way to work with actors who are interested in having that process. I mean, there's a way to work where it's not that at all, which is, you know, more how television or theater goes. And then the fun of something like this is that it's just an opportunity to exercise different muscles. And, you know, we shot the movie chronologically kind of because I wanted a lot of this stuff to be built into it. And I knew that these moments would feel better, similar, again, keep talking about it, but this moment, Listen Up, Philip, which was the last time we see you for a really long time in the movie, you know, there's like one other scene with you at the end, but we'd already shot it. So this was like the final moment of your final day, really. And I think that it benefited from having the built up anticipation and ending where the character's story sort of ends. And I thought that if we shot the movie in order, there would just be an opportunity kind of like that every day. And looking at the footage, I would just consistently be saying, wow, I'm really glad that we shot this after that because it's just a little bit more honest and a little bit more full. And then, you know, by the end of the film, every scene is just like, I can't imagine having shot anything not in the order that it appears in the movie. Okay, okay. Let's watch, we have one other clip. I think it's a little it's bit shorter. It's also seven minutes Hopefully long. Hopefully it's shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best hope for me now is to not end up like my father. How's that going? Mm. Touch and go. I just don't really feel like I exist anymore. And the only two people that really cared about me abandoned me. In one form or another. I care about you. There you go. You have to hold really still because I have to do the features now. What were you guys talking about during that clip? Just a selection of these clips. And um, we were just recounting various running gags on set 
that, yeah. that we built up, yeah. which I'm trying to bring into the Q&A life of the movie, unsuccessfully. <laughs> so what, 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 what gags are we talking they're about? They're not funny, and they're no, you, you would like... Recounting it would be the end of anyone's interest in listening to what we have to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the sort of thing that just, at the time, couldn't have seemed any funnier. Even, like, I, I sent a group email the other day, and uh, no one even responded. <laughs> That's, like, how unfunny it seems 11 months it later. It was funny. It's just been busy. <laughs> What's this, what sort of community gets created around set for a film like this? I was talking to Keith Polson, who's in the film the other day, last, the other day yesterday, and we were, he was saying we had a lovely experience making this movie. It was on a lake, it was a beautiful house, it was all friends, it was a really pleasant experience and the movie does not show that. The movie is dark and, and uncomfortable and really tense and creepy. And, and uh, we had a, a, a lovely time making it. We went to Did the diner. Did you all diner. stay in the, same, in the same house? No, we, okay. everyone was staying everywhere. A lot of people were staying at a Hampton Inn, which was across from this amazing diner in Fishkill. Uh -huh. um, we would go to the Walmart. It was very exciting. Uh, it was a lovely experience. It was like a two weeks at camp, you right, know? Right, But both, so when, when you're not actually shooting these incredibly tense scenes, you're all enjoying each other's company once. Yes, absolutely. How, how big a crew, how, how many people are around for this? Uh, the crew is 11, and then, you know, four-ish actors, you know? Um, two of the, there's only six speaking parts in the movie. Two of them are filled by people that were also on the crew every day. So, wow. uh, yeah, just four actors kind of drifting in and out, except for you and Catherine, who worked every day, but everyone else was there for some of it. And yeah, the crew was about a dozen, myself included. Yeah. Had you ever worked with Catherine before? No. No, I'd never met her before. Um, which is weird because we have a lot of mutual friends, but. but no, I never, I never, we met her like... We met her at the end of the shoot because we only met, we only met, we only met her character yeah. in the first, the first two weeks. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, <laughs> she's awesome. She's super, yeah. super cool. Yeah, she's a very funny, genuine person. Yeah. Yeah. But you had to drop in and all of a sudden become long-term friends who were friends for so long yes. that you then resent the hell out of each other. Yes, yes, absolutely. Which is, you know, the hardest part was we actually got along really great. So we had to sort of put on our serious face when we were rolling and be all not friends. But we just giggled the rest of the time and got yeah. along, got along swimmingly. Yeah. At least Let's, from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how I remember it too. It was really nice. I mean, yeah, like, you know, the size of the production was a minivan with the actors and then one van for the crew and that was it. Everyone could fit in those two vehicles. It was very simple. Yeah. Very streamlined and really just like everything you needed and nothing you didn't. Let's start by asking a couple questions from, or see if anybody from the audience wants to ask any questions. Hi, uh, this is the question for Alex. Uh, I'm wondering that when I see this trailer, it kind of reminds me of the f uh, film in the 80s or early 90s trailer has like a sick narration actually voices going on. It's kind of concept similar to that. How much the homage to those like 80s, 90s film, particularly genre of like a thriller and all that. Uh, I know that you used to work in uh, Kim's video and all that, so I was curious that those kind of actually element, how much it, you kind of adapt into that. Um, yeah, I mean, we really leaned into that sensation of embracing these movies we love 100% and kind of the video store background part of my life which is also where I met my cinematographer and the editor of the film worked at the same store um, you know it's just a democratic way of appreciating these things and some people might look at an 80s thriller 
as you know a disposable piece of low entertainment but to me it's all the same it's as serious as the most highbrow art film that you could compare this to and to me it's like there, there's equal value in all of these movies or even I think more value in some of these cheaper grimier ones and I just enjoy them more certainly and you know I really wanted to make something that took the conventions of that kind of a film very seriously even though they came to be regarded as just you know cheap movies made for a quick buck with a violent cover and an exciting trailer just to turn a profit and then I see those films and there's so much art in them and so much low budget resourcefulness and that's really what's the most inspirational you know you can't you can be inspired by big classic European movies but you're not going to achieve the aesthetic of those on an independent budget but you can kind of but you can achieve the aesthetic of a low budget movie on a low budget movie and then if you just embrace what the film is and don't try to pretend that we're making some huge, elaborate, conceptual thriller and just realize that we're making a very certain kind of movie, you just, just embrace everything that comes with that. And the trailer is certainly part of that. So in making the uh, transition uh, from television to independent film, how, you know, when you make a transition to a Hollywood film, there's, you know, big budgets, bigger trailers maybe, I, I, I don't know. but I wouldn't know either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, uh, but when you do this, how, how much does the television prepare you for independent film or how much does independent film prepare you for television, especially where there's limited character development in one in the indie film, but you know, this long extended process in the TV? Um, I mean, they're just such completely different animals, you know, and like a long running series, uh, you have something that you don't have anywhere else, big budget or low budget film, which is the development of a character over seven seasons, you know? So when I, Mad Men for me was, I was 23 when we made the pilot and 30, almost 32 when we wrapped. So that kind of slow development of a character is just, that doesn't exist anywhere, regardless of, of budget, you know? Um, I will say that, you know, Mad Men never really, I mean, despite its success, it never really, felt like we had a ton of money you know it was always a cable show it was it was always a show that um was expensive to make being a period show so it never felt like uh it, it felt a little indie sometimes especially in the beginning in the first season when nobody was really cared um so you know for me it, it, it's not a crazy transition and i actually uh i the, i prefer smaller in a way because I don't I get really bored I don't like waiting I don't like sitting in my trailer like we never sat in our trailers on Mad Men um, the only person that ever got a trailer upgrade was John Ham like at one point because he literally like lived there because he was in almost every scene so he got like a little bit of a nicer trailer but the rest of us had small rooms for seven seasons and we were never in them it was very quick um, it was very family atmosphere it felt indie in a way so for me it's it's a it's an easy transition. Uh, I actually, uh, the, the small amount of sort of bigger budget stuff that I have done, I've found slightly laborious because it just it takes so long. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't do bigger budget films. If anyone here, if, 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 here if that's anyone's to next have question, a Marvel scripts in hand. <laughs> I do, but I bought it from the script table outside. <laughs> One of those. Yeah, it's just a souvenir from a four-year-old movie, but you can still have it if you want. <laughs> 
So uh, the film looks great. Um, my uh, my question's for you, Elizabeth. You know, we, we mentioned the, some of the actors who doubled as directors on Mad Men and did so so well, and you know, you got to see it from up close. Um, did the bug bite you at all? Is, is directing something you ever could see yourself doing? And then um, with your time having spell with, uh, spent with uh, Elizabeth, Alex, do you think that she, she could uh, make it as a director as well? Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, it, it bit me just a little bit. Um, just like a little little tiny fire ant of a bite um, uh, during this film actually because there was one night when I sort of I called it co-directing but it really wasn't it was just me ordering people around trying to have some control um, but I, I liked it and it was kind of um, it, it was fun to sort of see your idea uh, you know in front of you and, and have your ideas be listened to um, at the same time I, I you know that was one time, one night, one scene. I don't know if I'd want to do that the whole time. Um, uh, I remember talking to somebody on Mad Men about shadowing the, one of the directors. You know, you, you can shadow them. And, and they were like, okay, cool, like, that sounds good, but you have to like, come on scouts. And you have to like, get up at 6 in the morning and come and sit in a van and go on scouts for 12 hours. So I was like, fuck, no. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> I think so, when, I, uh, when I asked you if you wanted to come even for like a couple of hours <laughs> to do the color correct of this movie, you were like, I was like that sounds no. horrible. So so, <laughs> so you have to do that stuff if yeah. you if you make the movie. Yeah. But you know, like the scene that you're talking about, you know, it's like in Boogie Nights where he, uh, Mark Wahlberg says, you know, he lets me block my own my own sex scenes. Like you were just like, I, I would like to have a conversation about the blocking of this scene because I have a very clear idea of what I want out of this room because I know exactly what you want and I know what I need to give it to you. And I was like, yeah, let's just walk through and you can kind of point out what you need from this space and you did and I was just like yeah that's that's great if that's what you need then that's what we'll do and then I didn't really embellish on it at all it was essentially exactly what you said you wanted um, and it was very specific and you know the camera movement was always going to be what it was and then you were just like I want people here here and I want these props here and I want this here and then that's exactly what you want from me and it was I was like yeah that is exactly what I want so that was a pretty you know pretty simple conversation but I think it resulted in something that if I had been like, here's exactly what I want in this room, you'd be like, okay, well, I don't know if I can go where I need to go with what you just described, but I'll try my best. Yeah. Whereas this was just like taking out one extra step so that the end result is exactly what we both wanted. Yeah. Directing definitely fits my like controlling nature though. <laughs> but you could just be like a co-director who doesn't do any of the boring stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Or a producer. Yeah. <laughs> they do more boring stuff than anybody. Yeah. Really? Well, some of them do. There's different kinds. I want to be the non-boring. Even as a producer on this movie, I didn't do any of the boring stuff. But. I'll just do the acting. It's fine. <laughs> Alice, is that the first time that ever happened to you, that you had that experience where you sort of let an actor run with that a little bit? Well, it was the most extreme version of it because it was a scene that was particularly um, intense. And I didn't want, it was again, shooting an order, it was towards the end, I didn't want to at that point especially impose any restrictions on anything that would get us what we needed at that point. Uh, you were fairly consistently staying in a certain mentality, not like while we're not filming, but just kind of like while we're in it and in between takes and stuff. And it was just valuable for me to say yes so that we could keep the atmosphere going where you're just comfortable. Um, because otherwise I would just be demanding and then you might get pushed out of the zone that you wanted to be in for your performance. So yeah. that level of give and take is totally fine. I mean, if it's like for vanity 
or like because you want to go home an hour earlier, I would sense that and probably be pretty resistant to it. Yeah. But if it's like I can sense that it's genuinely for the good of what we're going to be capturing, then I have, you know, I have no incentive to say no. Yeah, it's just this party scene in the movie and by the end I have to be on the floor like screaming and freaking out and thinking that I'm going to be murdered. And so it just needed to have, I knew what he wanted like visually and like tone-wise and I just needed to have a, a literally physical path with people in my way and things happening on the way so that I could get to that place. Like, that's all it was. Okay, okay. Yeah. We often talk, you get, people often talk about this idea of there being, when filmmaker and a, an actress or actor work together a couple times, that there's a shorthand. We develop a shorthand together. What does that actually mean? What does that refer to? I mean, for me, I think it, it refers to that, uh, like I said, you know, earlier, there's just a certain amount of uh, trust, really. It's just a matter of, You've done something together. It went well. Everyone felt like the, you know, the two parties felt like the outcome was what you wanted. Yeah. And so now you don't have to now then the next time worry about, you know, I don't have to worry when Alex says, I think maybe more of this than that. I trust him because I know that it turned out well the last time. It's like, for yeah. me, it's just that. And it's also a matter of, you know, um, if he writes something in the script that is a description of an emotional arc, um, you know, he knows that I can f take what he has written and do my job as an actor to turn it into something visual that you can see. Um, so that, to me, is the shorthand, really. Yeah, I mean, shorthand, to me, like, as it exists across the board with every collaborator, all of which I've been, you know, at this point, fortunate enough to work with repeatedly, is just that it's actually more that they don't really have to bring stuff to me. Like, no matter what, position of a director you do have to talk about stuff but I think the shorthand for me is more just that everybody knows that whatever ideas they have are probably going to excite me so it's less of a longhand conversation where it's like hey let me talk to you about something and it's more just like hey I got something for you I think you're gonna like it and then I'm I, my answer is like sure right. let's, yeah like let's see it and right. instead of like well let's talk what, well, what's it going to be like <laughs> can you help me understand me how this morning. will fit into the film instead it's just like yeah okay so it's just there for me giving them you know the freedom to kind of say that and uh you know that that exists anywhere like the cinematographer it's just like you know we'll do this kind of a shot like from this kind of movie and it's just okay sure yeah let's try it and um you know otherwise it'd be like a whole conversation like to me shorthand on this movie there's one scene where i said something like you know we could do this as a, as a one shot we could do this whole scene as one shot and you were like this scene i don't think we could do that as one shot and I was like, yeah, I guess, I was like, you're right. Like, we, we, we've done other scenes that are one shot. I guess it was just kind of an idea that this would work for that. And you were like, well, for what I want to do in this scene, I don't think that's going to be best. And I was like, yeah, okay. What like, scene was that? This is one of the easel scenes. It oh. may have been the one, I don't think it was the one that there was that clip from. I think it was the other easel. Oh, other. yeah. I was just like, because neither one of you is moving, because you're at an easel and Catherine's in a chair. I was like, you know, because there's no movement in this scene, we don't have to cut. And you were like, no, but I want this to not be that way. Because this is a delicate scene where there's like a transition in the relationship between the two of us. Right. And of course, like it ends up being an incredibly heavily edited scene because it relies on modulating the intricacies of their interactions right. in a way that doing it as one would have correctly not been the right way to do it. Right, right. Because you would have wound up editing it that way anyway, and you would have been relying on a like a, 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 an approach to the scene that would not have been best for you. Well, it sounds like he would have not been able to edit it because it just would have been one shot. So then he would have had <laughs> to be like like the 
a, a performance of two actresses that would be sort of sounds like it'd be difficult to yeah. to to do. Yeah, I think we had just done another scene that was all one shot and it went so well. Was I was so getting cool. I was getting I was getting ahead of myself <laughs> thinking we could keep doing that, but ultimately, you know, just being able to say like I don't want to do that. Yeah, like it's not that I can't. It's just like that doesn't feel right for this because of this. Yeah. When well, it was totally accurate. What's great is I feel like we have had times too where I've said like eh, I don't know and you're like I think it'll work. I think it'll be good. And then there's that trust too that goes back the other way where you're like, all right, fine, I guess if you really want it, let's do it. You know, um, it's just, it's so much easier. Sure, I can really see that. Well, I'm sorry, this isn't really a question about the movie, but just generally to both of you, like, what's your favorite independent theater in New York? Oh, that's a lovely question. What's your favorite independent theater in New York? Well, I could go on about this for a while. Yeah, <laughs> um, you just said one. Yeah, I would I would say in in New York City uh, is pretty big, but in, in Manhattan probably Anthology Film Archives, which is very close to here, and in Brooklyn uh, BAM, which is close to where I live. So I get two answers, one for each borough. Um, I think you're becoming fond of that movie theater. I was gonna say on film the Society. Yeah. Um, I think that's my favorite, Lincoln Center. Uh, not primarily because it's very close to my apartment, but. Um, <laughs> Part of, part of it is that. It's, it's just lovely. It's just beautiful. They have a right. cafe and there's a bar upstairs. Yeah. It's great. No, it's and great. somewhere there is a two by three foot portrait of you. Yes. That will someday will That's might, not might why be I like out. it. <laughs> it's basically in a closet somewhere. <laughs> no, it's more prominent. No, it's really not. It's not up. It's nowhere. <laughs> I'm going to bring in my own because I have one. <laughs> I'm just going to bring in my own and like put it up in the bathroom. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you. So much for taking time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.